In our summer Sunday gatherings, taking us right to September 1st, actually, we're journeying through this Old Testament book of Proverbs. And last couple of Sundays, uh, talked about wealth, talked about the topic of uh, lust, these topics that are uh, very evident in the book of Proverbs and, of course, elsewhere in Scripture as well. Uh, the next several weeks are going to be topics about trust, uh, about speech, uh, about, about the heart. Um, wisdom uh, is one of the Sundays in August. Just some, some good topics right out of uh, the book of Proverbs, as I've said. Our topic this morning is the fear of God. The fear of God. And, and not the fashion streetwear label, fear of God. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yes, in 2013, someone launched a, a clothing line called uh, Fear of God. That's not what we're talking about. And please do your online research later, okay? Let's focus here. We're looking at the, this phrase found in Proverbs. And again, found in, in numerous books of the Bible, this, this phrase, uh, the fear of God walking in, living in the fear of God. You probably remember the TV show, The uh, Fear Factor, where people try to push their fear aside and do things they never thought they could do. What's, what's your fear factor on, on some of those things, do you think? Would, what, what would you not do for $50,000? Well, that, that was, of course, the amount offered to the TV show contestants uh, at, at that time. Would you, would you drive blindfolded backwards with someone's verbal cues down a mountainside? Would you, would you uh, drop from an airplane uh, buckled into the uh, seat of a car? And I have no idea if these were actual things they did, but hey, they're great ideas. Uh, you know, uh, with a parachute coming off the back bumper or... or Hopefully the frame of, of the car. Uh, yeah, some, some intro. Would, would you free fall? Uh, that, that's what I just said. Would you eat 10 maggots? The disgusting things. Remember the show? Just awful. Um, or, for some of you, this just would be something you would dream about with torment. Uh, to allow yourself to be lowered into a big uh, box of, what? Snakes, right? They did? Snakes or... Uh, or mice, rats. Ooh. No, I wouldn't. I don't know. Fifty thousand bucks. I don't know. Many contestants have braved various challenges on that show, and uh, maybe that show was was popular because we're all uh, afraid. I think it's fair to say that we're we're all afraid of of, of something to some degree. So what is it that causes you a little fear, or a lot of fear? Some fear the uncertainty of their future. Some of what others think of them. They fear that. Some have a fear of sharks. Some fear aging. Some fear, deeply fear a tragic diagnosis. Some fear heights or math tests. Or spiders. We were on vacation several years ago, August 20, August 2007, actually. We were staying at Miriam's sister's house and her husband there in Christina Lake, their summer house, uh, Christina Lake, BC, beautiful place. And, and my daughters, so we're 12 years ago, uh, probably wouldn't be any different today, actually. 
the, the outcome here that I'm going to tell you about, but my daughters were getting ready for bed in the basement of that home and of that house, and, and, and all of a sudden, I, I just heard this, this blood-curdling scream, literally as if someone was breaking in the window to attack them. That's My dad reaction took over, and Miriam's mom, you can talk, I flew down those stairs, the protective dad, and didn't know what I was going to find or who I was going to find standing there in their room with them. And I come into the room, and they're both standing on their bed, still screaming, pointing frantically at this little, uh, okay, BC spider, a a little bit bigger than an Alberta one, on the carpet. I was a little ticked. (laughs) This, this, This little spider caused such... Fear. Scott, in about three weeks, that'll be your problem. <laughs> Our second daughter, Mariah, is getting married, for those who don't know, to Scott. <laughs> well, that's a humorous story, although Chris and Mariah probably don't think so to this day. But, but the sad reality is that many fears literally paralyze people in their everyday lives. And some of you know this. Some of you, you're thinking right now of that thing, of that fear. You're paralyzed relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Those are fears. Now, this is a setup, and we're going to take another direction here, but this is, this is the, 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 the tee up to, to the fear of God that is a, a different path. But, but, but those fears, as I've been talking about them... Um, are our fears that God says as his followers, we do not have to have. We do not have to have those fears. He, God says in his word in Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Spiders or cancer. Uncertainty or people's perception of you. Whatever it is, to whatever degree it is, God says, fear not. 1 John, little book near the end of the New Testament in chapter 4, verse 18, reminds us that, says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I mean, that, that's awesome. That's powerful. That's life-changing, actually. And some of you just need to latch on to those verses today, maybe even more than what we're actually going to be talking about and how we, the, the Bible uses this word fear in, in, in the phrase fear of God. Some of you need to latch on to those Biblical truths, that biblical truth that we need not be paralyzed by fear of anything or anyone. Oh, except God. What? Fear of God. That's what we're talking about this morning. Well, how does the, how, how do those Bible verses about don't fear, don't fear anything, fear not, I'm with you, fear not, and it's repeated a whole bunch of times in the Bible, don't be afraid, fear not. Why is it so often in the Bible? Well, because fear is a real deal now and then for, for people who, who, who are Christ followers. So how do those verses about fear like that fit with scripture verses that tell us to fear fear not but fear God like proverbs 9 
the first part of verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And some of you have read the fear of the Lord verses, and if you haven't, I mean, we're going to be talking about that in our response to this message today, but the, 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 uh, the study of the verses, that just start with just Google searching and find a BibleGateway.com, whatever, wherever it is, and, and, and look up and read and reflect on all of the verses about the fear of God. And, and the outcome of that is, is just really multifaceted and a, a great study. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How do, how do those verses fit together? Well, you need to know, and I'm sure you're picking it up. These verses, these Bible verses, are not contradictory. A big part of the explanation is that it's simply a matter of the word fear being used in a different way, a couple different ways. One meaning of the word fear is terror. What we are afraid of, terror is, is a good word. A, 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 distressing, a distressing emotion brought on by impending danger, whether real or imagined. Terror is the kind of fear most of you were thinking about when I asked you what you were most afraid of. Something may have come to mind. The second meaning of the word fear is to have a, a, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, where we stand in astonishment, in amazement of who God is, how big and how powerful He is, but also how immensely loving He is at the same time. The fear of God phrase from Proverbs is a is a is a profound sense of awe. And I, I don't know, I mean, that's not a common word. So, you know, we got to, what, what does that feel like? What, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? That this sense of awe, but, but I don't know that there's a, a better word, at least in my mind, if you've got one, let me know. But a profound sense of awe that induces love, that induces worship, that induces uh, collapsing before a powerful God in humility and in worship, all of those things, rather than, rather than sheer terror, if we've received His gift of grace and forgiveness. That's key. That's key. There's a biblical reality that we may not like to talk about in all this. It's the truth that there is a legitimate, uh, a biblically described fear of God that is directly related to God's hatred for sin and His hatred for our sin. There's a legitimate reason, there's legitimate reason to be afraid of God's judgment over sin if God had not poured out His judgment on sin. So the, the Bible uses the word wrath. It's a powerful, graphic, ah, challenging word, but that's what it is. God is so holy. God hates sin so much because of what it does to you and I and because of what it does to the relationship that he wants between him and us, right? He hates it so He He poured out his wrath, his judgment for sin on Jesus Christ on the cross as Jesus stepped in to take the penalty for sin upon himself. And without that, oh, there'd be reason for legitimate fear of God's judgment for sin. But by his mercy and grace, by God's mercy and grace, 
he chose and Jesus voluntarily stepped in. Wow. Mm. To take that judgment upon himself. So I do not, when I stand in God's grace, when I stand under the covering of the cross, I do not have to fear what would be a just and fair outcome for me because of my sin. Christian friend, that, that's, that's, that's powerful stuff. Stuff that you've been walking with Christ a long time, we can start to take for granted, can't we? Any one of us. We need to think about that. There's reason to fear apart from the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That's, that's biblical truth. But having said all that, the phrase, the fear of God, can uh, most often be understood with these two words that I mentioned already, awe and reverence. A sense of awe and reverence for who God is. When, when was the last time you, you had this? Whatever comes to your mind by, in, in connotation of this word uh, awe, the sense of awe. Well, when, when's the last time that you were awed by something or, or, or someone? Maybe, maybe you had a deep sense of awe as you, as you gaze recently upon a beautiful mountain scenery. I mean, that, that can be awe-inspiring, can't it? Beautiful. There are different things that stir up a sense of awe in us. And what might do so for you, maybe doesn't for someone else and vice versa. Well, here's an example. I love water skiing. Dave Miller, second in the Masters, second in the world. Come on, guys, look at that, the sense of awe. Do you feel it? Crazy. Our friends have a place in the a slalom water ski community in Indio near Palm Springs, California. I mean, it's quite close to what heaven will be like, I believe. Uh, but, but one day we were there and we heard this, this uh, high-level Canadian skier was going to be doing the course. There's actually two courses on that man-made lake there. And I, I, I just, oh, that's a sense of awe. And some of you right now are going, really, Marlo? Really? In, including my wife, you can be sure. Um, maybe, maybe for some of you, you you've been scuba diving and you, you enter into this totally different world and you experience a deep sense of awe through, through the creation that you see. That's legitimate. That's, that, you know, you're aware in, the, in that moment of, of God's amazing power and, and creative uh, genius is, a, is an understated word even. Or, or maybe like me, you've had the privilege to be in, in the Serengeti and, and the, the, the experience there just so, so different than anything we know here. And, and again, just an example of the powerful, creative God that we serve. It's just a, it just brings this, this sense of awe. These experiences can and should d direct our hearts to ponder the, the perfect character and the, the, the hugeness of who God is. is. Is that a word, Wouter? Is that a word? It'll do. Theological term, hugeness of God. Beyond what our human, finite mind can truly understand. And if we could, we'd even be blown away more. But, but again, the, the core question... 
How often does a sense of awe and reverence for God fill our hearts and our minds? And I'm asking that to myself, to challenge and inspire me forward in in living this way. How often does this idea of who God is and how big He is and how how amazing He is uh, come to our minds in the in the crunch of daily life, the chaos of our, day, of our, of our weekly routines. You know what? That, that, for that to be the case, for our minds and our hearts and, and, and hopefully then our lifestyle and our choices every day, for, for all of that to be in, influenced like God wants, uh, wants it to be, wants us to be, it, it, it takes, I, I believe, one of the things that's key is that it, it takes us choosing to stop and think at any given moment to think only about the amazing grace of God, to think, to stop every other thought and ponder the expanse of His presence, the mind-blowing strength of His power, the depth and breadth of His unconditional love. It takes stopping every other thought to ponder how perfect His character is. And it takes stopping every other thought, whatever it is, good or or negative, stopping every other thought and reflecting on the magnificence of who He really is. And that's the God that you and I get to live in personal relationship with and, and, and get to serve. When we gather here to worship God together, I'm not sure we're always focused on God that way. We can, I think we can too easily default to thinking more about ourselves than about His majesty and His splendor. Even in what we call a worship gathering, it's too easy to think more about me, about how I feel, or how that thing or that activity or that person bothers me or or how tired i am or how how i wish there'd be more hymns or less hymns what songs we like and by the way if we're waiting for the right song to worship this god that i'm describing there is definitely a heart issue there we can easily forget That the way to experience God in all of His fullness and power is to choose to have an acute awareness of His awesome and amazing character. Is that a choice we often make in a moment? I want to do that more. In times of joy, in times of stress. To set new patterns for how I think and what I think about, and who I think about. Directing my thought patterns to God based on His Word. Well, I want us to briefly walk through a few Proverbs references about the fear of God. Just very briefly, four things. Um, the, fir- the first one is this. The wisdom starts there. Wisdom starts there. And I, I'm not seeing on the screen today, but they're, they're, they're up on the screen fine, right? Uh, wisdom starts there with, with, with fearing God, with walking in the fear of God. A verse already that we mentioned already, uh, Proverbs 9, the ver- first part of verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Could appropriately read this way, the posture and heart of awe and deep reverence of the Lord is the beginning of 
wisdom. You want to be wise? This is where you need to start, according to Scripture. You need to start to to think about, well, what does the fear of God mean for my life, for my mind, for my thought patterns, for my heart posture? You want to be wise? The Bible says start there. Who, who, who of us do not want wisdom to live this complicated and, and, and many times difficult thing we call life? And there's no true wisdom. Without possessing a heart that fears and reverences God, and the Hebrew uh, original language uh, verb and noun for this fear are, are words that acknowledge God's good intentions. That's a cool thought. Especially when you the phrase in English, fear of God, yeah, what's that mean? No, the, the original words, of the verb and the noun here, uh, acknowledge God's good intentions. In other words, he wants to give us his wisdom that will influence the way we live our lives in positive ways. And it will, it will come only, again, as we lay the foundation of understanding who God is and growing a heart, uh, growing a mindset, growing a pattern of living in reverential fear of God. Wisdom begins when I, when, I, when I put aside, when I choose to put aside my ideas, my desires, my thoughts, and choose to fear and reverence God. That, that's the simple promise here, that wisdom comes when I humble myself and realize that, that my smarts are a drop in the bucket uh, compared to God's. So, fearing God, wisdom starts there. It's a great thing. Then the fear of God results, secondly results in hating sin. Hating sin. You struggle with sin? How much time do you give to praying and thinking and reading God's word about the fear of God? That'll, that'll influence things, the Bible says. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Don't try to hate evil on your own. Fear God and hatred for sin. Hatred for the sin in your life will increase, and that's a good thing. Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Oh, that's how. Oh, a lot of other things we could say, accountability and things we talk about, but reading God's word, but, but this, this posture, this awareness, this, this heart commitment to walk in the fear of God, in awe and reverence for who he is, for his holy character, for he hates sin so much, he had his son crucified so that I could be free from sin in the moment of temptation, those biblical thought patterns are vital to move away from sin and toward the holy and loving heart of God. Does that make sense? It's just we need to train our thinking to be biblically lined up on these things. The fear of the Lord, by, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. If you want to overcome an area of sin struggle, start with growing a heart that is in awe of who God is which includes his holy character, as we've said already. In the moment temptation comes, we train our thought patterns to be directed towards God's awesome power, his amazing grace, his holy character. I think I've said that already. Psalm 103, 17. Another noteworthy verse here, stepping outside of Proverbs, but great, great verse. The, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So then there's nothing to be afraid of because I'm standing in the mercy of God because of the cross of Jesus and because sin's been dealt, my sin's been dealt with. 
beautiful. When we recognize, again, God's holy character and his hatred for sin, there's, and realize that the punishment for that was put on Christ, again, I say, I reiterate, there's no, there's no reason to fear. Yet that is walking in the fear of God. Thirdly, the fear of God. In the fear of God, in the fear of the Lord, there is, this is, this is really cool, there is security. There is security. There's so much insecurity in our lives, isn't there? It shows itself in different ways. All kinds of insecurities, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, socially, physically, whatever it is. But in the fear of the Lord, oh, there's security. There's security. Because you realize whose you are. Kind of comes back to the recent series we did about ident identity. Several weeks ago, if you missed it, you can listen online. You complete me. A really important biblical truth about our identity in Christ as Christ followers. Proverbs 14, 26, in the New King James Version says, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Not arrogance, not presumption, but in the fear of the Lord, there is, there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. It's a beautiful picture. We don't have time to unpack it. I, I well, again, I'm giving you some homework at the end of this message by way of response for all of us, but, so I, I, but, but you... Part of it could, could be just taking time to ponder the, that verse of Scripture right there. We'll have great fodder in your life for, for, for living this out. New, New Living puts it simply, those who fear the Lord are secure. Those who fear the Lord are secure. You understand how God sees you. If you have made the commitment to be a Christ follower, you belong to a very big God. This divine, eternal, all-powerful being is for you, not against you. That is a remarkable truth, and yet we must remember that this does not mean that everything we, uh, you know, that everything will always uh, go the way we want it to go, because we live in a, in a broken world, in a sin-marred world, and yet we can confidently know that whatever we're going through, whatever trial, whatever difficulty or doubt or sadness, whatever we've done wrong or, or whatever relationship is, is causing us pain, uh, whatever financial problems or, or illness is getting us down, whatever is going on, we can stand secure of the infinite one who is right with us because of the infinite one, the all-powerful one who is right with us always in the fear of the lord in the fear of the lord there is strong confidence and again uh, the applications of that just are, are are many in the fear of the lord there's strong confidence as you're going into that meeting where you have the pressure to negotiate on behalf of your company something very big that doesn't mean going in unprepared no but in the fear of the lord there's strong confidence god i'm trust committing it to him asking his wisdom asking his discernment 
responding properly to the questions that you don't know are coming. I mean, just, and all of this comes in relationship, talking to God as that meeting approaches. That's just one example. Don't, don't be in awe of your big problem, whatever it is. Don't let uh, finite circumstances eclipse the wonder of an awe-inspiring and powerful, compassionate creator God. Don't, don't, don't let that happen. And that's a choice. That's a choice. And it is for me as well. Just because I, I sometimes say this to people, just because I have pastor in front of my name doesn't make any of this stuff easier. Don't think that, okay? Because it's not, it's not the case. We're, we're growing in this together. Don't, don't, don't be in awe of your big problem. In, instead, stand in awe of God who is so much bigger than anything you're facing right now. So much bigger. And yet we let things, situations, other people eclipse the bigness of God. So we don't see. Huh. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't see His power. It's like an eclipse that takes place. I hate that. There's great security to live life well in a posture of awe and respect and reverence for God and for His character. We can live securely in Christ out of that. What a, what a, what a fantastic way to live. And then finally, in the fear of the Lord is life. Plain and simple. Life. The way God designed it, created us to be able to live it. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. Isn't that the quest of people? We see evidence of it. You've lived it. Sometimes we still do. Looking for other things to fill a void. Seeking satisfaction. Mick Jagger's still bouncing around on stage in Cuba to thousands and thousands. What's he, 75? But he still is looking for satisfaction. And don't don't sing, I'm not going to sing the song if you won't. Isn't that actually the the title of it? I can't get no satisfaction. Isn't that a double negative? Like, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, that's something different, but. A search for satisfaction. It's in our hearts. And God put it there. And the only full, complete, eternal satisfaction that will settle in our hearts is when we open our hearts and life to Jesus Christ. To be our forgiver and our leader. That's it. I think I'll fly to Cuba and tell Mick that. I hope he's had opportunity to hear that message. Quite likely he has. He's not above. (laughs) The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've got a friend who's living in brokenness because, because of their quest to get this sense of satisfaction in their life. Maybe a family member. 
They're broken because of, they've, they've, they've gone other paths to, to, to be satisfied. It's a legitimate desire. It's a God-given desire. But God has the way for that to happen, doesn't he? So as you think of those individuals in your life right now, or maybe that's somebody here. As you think of those individuals in your life, just, let's just pray in this moment right now. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. God, speak. Show them the truth. Show them your love. Show them who you want to be in their life. And that's where they'll be settled and satisfied eternally. God, speak to people like that. It's our prayer. The wise writer of Proverbs in this wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Life as God intended us to live it. He who has it will abide in satisfaction. And, and we have a cross-reference to the words of Jesus here from uh, the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, uh, John 10.10, where Jesus said, I have come that they, everybody, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The, the New Living puts it uh, that they might have a rich and, there it is again, satisfying life. And that kind of life in, includes an eternity in, in God's presence. And, and don't equate satisfying with trouble-free, okay? Because that'll mess you up. Jesus never promised the Christian life to be trouble-free. As a matter of fact, he, he promised otherwise. You will have trouble. Before I conclude with what I'm going to ask regarding your response to this message. I want to I share what I, I think is a helpful teaching paragraph from Jerry Bridges' book called The Joy of Fearing God. It just describes the, the healthy tension between uh, loving and fearing God. Listen, I'm going to read uh, several sentences, a few paragraphs, a couple of paragraphs. In the physical realm, there are two opposing forces called centrifugal and centripetal. Centripetal. Centrifugal force tends to pull away from a center of rotation, while centripetal force pulls toward the center. A stone whirled about on the end of a string exerts centrifugal force on the string, while the string exerts centripetal force on the stone. Take away one or the other, uh, take away one and the other immediately disappears. These two opposing forces can help us understand, Bridges says, understand something of the fear of God. The, the, the centrifugal force represents the attributes of God, such as His holiness and His sovereignty, that cause us to bow in awe and, and self-abasement before Him. They hold us reverently distant from the one who, by the simple power of his word, created the universe out of nothing. He says the centripetal force represents, I said that pretty well that time, hey? I'm going to try that again. The centripetal force represents the love of God. It surrounds us with, the, with grace and mercy and draws us with cords of love into the Father's warm embrace. To exercise a proper fear of God, we must understand and respond to both of these forces. 
if you want to ponder that in a little more, uh, a little more, I can email that to you. But here's your homework in response to this message, and, and it's simple, but if, if you do this with genuine heart, it, it will, I believe, uh, revolutionize your relationship with God. It, it comes out of God's invitation for us to learn to walk in the fear of God. Yes, it's something we need to learn. It is. And in uh, Psalm 34.11, it says, Come, you children. All of us, we're children in God's eyes, right? Come, you children. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Oh, good. That's good. And, uh, you know, although those were David's words to anyone who would listen, uh, the, the fact that, that God himself, I mean, through those words as well, but, but more directly, God himself wants us to learn to fear him is clearly seen in verses like uh, Deuteronomy, and I don't know that I have these noted. I just thought it on the screen, but uh, you can jot it down, uh, or I can give it to you later. Deuteronomy 4, verse 10, and Deuteronomy 31, 12. Early in the Old Testament there, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 10, and chapter 31, verse 12, where he calls, where God calls his people to be assembled so they can listen to his words and do what? Learn to fear the Lord, he says. That's what he wants. That's one of the things he wants to happen when we, when we gather together. And we'll, we'll, never, we'll never learn the fear of the Lord without, without the word of God. So that's part of it, right? So, three things. For the next seven days, at least, and hopefully beyond that, but, but start, with, start with that today. I'm going to ask you to do this. For the next seven days, three things. Number one, pray this simple prayer. Lord, teach me to fear you. Thoughts will come. Maybe think that those thoughts are from God. I mean, unless they're really, you know, but a, a scripture verse might come. Look it up. Um, Mariah was just mentioning to me uh, before church started today, just reflecting on the, the times when, uh, when, she, when she was young, the kids were young, uh, I, I plucked out a bunch of fear of God verses from scripture, and, and we, we memorized them together. And how she was saying that those are, those are still stuck in her mind and her heart, and that was really cool to hear today. Uh, just before I speak on this. The, the power of taking in the word of God. But then we're, sorry, I'm getting ahead to point number two. So pray, Lord, teach me to fear you. And pray that prayer every day. And then read scripture about the fear of God. And again, you can online search, easy to find Bible verses about the fear of God. Take time to go through them. And pull out the ones that you will read and reread and meditate on and journal about and even memorize in the weeks ahead. Ones that resonate with you. Ones that God specifically, more specifically, might speak to your life about. And then journal about ways. Begin, journal these next seven days. Maybe, I don't know, maybe at the end of the day, because as you reflect on the day that you just lived, journal about ways you see evidence of the fear of God in your life and in your choices. Or maybe it's when, you know, you weren't so mindful of the fear of God in your life and you, you thus this choice or that reaction or whatever. Journal. Journal about that. Write a few sentences about that. Make it a little letter to God. Make it a little written prayer. God, help me to be more mindful of this tomorrow. 
Oh, journaling might be something that's new for some of you, but it's a, it's a, good, it's a good spiritual habit. Pray, read, journal. Three things. Homework. Everybody good with homework in the summer? I want to pray as we close. And there may be somebody here who I, I've referenced the, the gift of Jesus' life, death, resurrection. He went to the cross because he loved you so much. And he took upon the penalty that would keep any one of us separated from our creator for eternity. He took that penalty upon himself so that we could live with God, in relationship with God, eternally. And maybe that's his gift. Oh, I know it's his gift, but I'm saying maybe that's a gift you want to receive today. And it's as simple. Huh. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Jesus raised from the dead. In that moment, in that moment of expressed faith in God's gift of salvation, you're in his eternal family. And so maybe today is your moment. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if that applies to you, I want to pray this prayer. It's not about these words. You can express this if that's your desire to commit your life to Jesus Christ right now. Pray in your heart and your mind with me like this. Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping into the cross and dying for me and coming back to life by God's power to prove you have power over sin that has kept me bound. Thank you for that. I receive your forgiveness. I invite you, Lord Jesus, to be the, the, the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life from this day forward. I want to walk with you in this life and into the next. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that comes only by you. Thank you, Jesus, for the words you spoke, that you are the truth, the way, the life, and that, that there's no other way to get to, to the Heavenly Father except through you. And so I come to you now and surrender my life. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for this truth from your word about the fear of God. Thank you that you want to shape us by it. May we allow you to do that. As Christ followers, may we allow you to do that. As we go away and we, we ponder this truth, and in the days ahead, take time to, to do a little bit of this homework. God, make it what you want it to be in each of our hearts and lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.